Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Game Junk Podcast. This is episode 106, recording on Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. My name is Frank. My name is Sean. And my name is Andrew. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, let's give a warm welcome to Nick Cooper from Drastic Games, talking about uh, the newly released game Soundfall. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, we. Um, so I'm co-founder of Drastic Games. Uh, we've been working on our first title, Soundfall, since late 2016. And we just released um, on May 11th on PC and all of the consoles, Switch, Xbox One, Series S and X, um, PS4 and PS5. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a um, rhythm-based looter shooter. It's kind of a hybrid of two genres. We're trying to kind of take a mix of, you know, different elements that players find familiar and mixing them together in a way that we hope, you know, is new and interesting. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, very cool. Check Con it out. Congratulations <laughs> on the game release. Six years. That's a, a long time oh, man. to spend <laughs> on a game. <laughs> a little too long, but I'm, I'm just glad that we made it here. For sure. So, I mean, we've all played the game, uh, I think. Huck obviously has played it the most. He did work on the game. Uh, and we played some co-op today as well. So, you know, six years, I assume part of that is, you know, the first game the studios put together. I guess in terms of what you did on the game, like what was your role? Uh, how big is the team? Did you have to wear a lot of hats? Like what, what kind of stuff did you do? Um, uh, yeah, we definitely, I definitely wore a lot of hats. The team was very small. Like we fluctuated in size over development. Like most of the first years of it was just me and my co-founder, Julian Trutman. Um, and there were a few times where we had, um, you know, people come on for little bits of contract work here and there and kind of little bursts. And that was, you know, we, we wouldn't, weren't really in full, full production because we were just funding this thing like with our own savings and stuff. It wasn't like it was before we had a publishing deal or, or any substantial funding. And then um, kind of that initial part was like, you know, figuring out what, what game we wanted to make um, and then kind of getting started, realizing it had a lot more potential than we initially thought. And that kind of expanded the scope. And that led to eventually um, running a crowdfunding campaign on FIG in 2018. And, um, you know, we also put together a demo that we took to a bunch of expos like uh, PAX and EGX um, and MAGFest. Um, then from there, we were just basically uh, trying to get more substantial funding from like a publishing deal or, or other investment. And that, that took some time. Um, and then eventually we did with um, Noodle Cake, our publisher, who we partnered with starting in, um, I think it was like spring of 2020. So, and at that point we actually had some funding behind us and we started bringing on more like team members, some full-time and some part-time. And I think at the max, we were probably around like the mid teens in terms of uh, headcount. Um, some of those were like external studios we were working with and stuff, but, um, I don't think we ever went above above 20. And then even when we were high, we were not that high for very long. Kind of for for the most of the end of production, it was around 10-ish um, people. Okay. And, um, and you're located in North Carolina, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm in North Carolina, um, but the studio or the, the, everyone else that's been on the team has been all over the place. Like um, 
all over the U.S., Canada. Um, we have uh, we've had some people in Europe. We've had um, at one point we had one guy in Australia. Like it's it's kind of just we, we make it work. You know, it's all remote everywhere, and we were kind of doing the remote thing. Um, you know, since the beginning. So, uh, you know, it, it, it works great for us. And, uh, you know, we were kind of yeah, had, had started that when everyone else kind of started having to do it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You started in the regular world, then went into the COVID world <laughs> and now you're back out of it. So the game seen a lot. Now I can be a bit of a bull in a China shop as people tell me. So I'm going to defer to Sean for a second here. Sean, am I missing <laughs> any lay of the land stuff here? You're pretty good at that stuff. Any, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know if Nick wants to talk at all about even his background before uh, starting sure. Drastic? Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, I guess my my first industry job was, like, an internship at Vicarious Visions uh, back in, like, 2004. And then I had another internship at Treyarch in 2006. And then then uh, worked at Crystal Dynamics full-time for a bit on uh, Tomb Raider Underworld. And then uh, went to Epic Games and worked at Epic for most of my career. Like I worked on, uh, you know, a little bit of Unreal Tournament three, some of the Gears games, uh, Paragon, and uh, Fortnite, and then a few other things that uh, never actually saw the light of day. But oh, um, we know then, all about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know everyone has a few of those. <laughs> so, okay, um, sorry. And, go ahead, and, well, just on that, like I guess I'm curious. You know, what was the what was the decision or why did you make the decision, I guess, to, to move from Epic to, you know, something indie? Was there a specific reason there or. It's kind of something I always wanted to do eventually. Um, but it's, it was also one of those things where it's like, you think of it as like, Oh, it's like this far future, like, you know, pie in the sky sort of idea. And you don't know if you're ever actually going to do it. But then I, I got to a point where I was like, I wasn't really like, I felt kind of stagnant. Um, I didn't feel like, yeah, I wasn't really interested in what I was doing as much anymore. It just felt like more of the same. And, um, yeah, I, I eventually was just like, I just got into the point where I paid off my student loans. And so kind of my financial situation had completely changed. And I was like, let's, let's just do it. Um, so blow all that money I've got now on a yeah, I mean, career. yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, uh, but yeah, um. Like one thing that um, I guess one thing that did make it easier was like uh, almost immediately after I, I quit Epic, like literally like three weeks later, I, I went back and did started doing part time contract work. So I wasn't like just, you know, without income. Uh, yeah, you for, can, you can bridge the gap stuff. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it, nice. was, it made the transition like a lot less stressful, you know, because. That was one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest scary things about going off and starting a company. It's like, well, where's the money going to come from? Even, even if we do everything right, there's just a time before you start selling games. I mean, even if you don't take like mm -hmm. six years to do it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know I asked this, I don't know, like, is you said you wore many hats. If you had to say like the one area you worked on Soundfall the most, what would that be? Um, Like design, like, programming, pro design, programming, kind of cross between the two of those like yeah. that's kind of always been my where i've landed like i i was like i was doing like uh you know gameplay programming and ai programming and stuff during most of my career um in AAA, and um that was kind of just the initial thing i started doing here but i also 
at least how it worked at Epic, you were actually doing a lot of the design in that as well. You're kind of a hybrid programmer designer. Sure, yeah. And that's kind of where I spent most of my time on Soundfall is doing that stuff. But then I also kind of just ended up absorbing all the production. So we didn't have like a, like a specific producer and I just kind of ended up yeah. doing all that, you know, being the one like scheduling uh, sprints and milestones and assigning JIRAs and uh, <laughs> hassling people to, to close their tickets. I haven't Classic. had to do that before, thankfully. <laughs> I've had very I good. Kind I've of had enjoy very, it. Yeah, you know, I think I would like it too. But I've had very good people who've done that kind of stuff that I've worked with, and it's, yeah. when they're good, it's greatly appreciated. When they're not, it's it's not the best. It hurts everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I want to go back to like how you said you started as just a, a couple people, and was this like did you prototype a lot of games, or let's say once you settled on the concept or idea of Soundfall, was it uh, like mechanics you had worked out and then you expanded from there? Because I'm kind of curious, like when I'm playing this, you know, there's very action, rhythm-based, core, fundamental mechanics. And I could see that taking a lot of forms, whether it's a looter shooter, a roguelite, uh, a platformer, you could go a lot of directions. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. curious, like how you went from mechanics to subgenre or if it was a completely different approach at all. So I guess kind of, kind of how it started out was like, we, and this is going to be funny, but we wanted to like, uh, kind of, we we're going to do like a game jam and try to prototype something that we thought we could like make like a really quick game. That was like, you know, like <laughs> six months to a year and that's how uh, every game basically just <laughs> get, you know, even if it wasn't this big, you know, successful thing, at least get like some income coming into the company to start out. But we also wanted to build something where like it would be like a foundation for potentially other things like a lower the tech we would be building for it could be reused in other in other sure. games, you know, like so that game two, we wouldn't just be starting from zero. Um, well, so we had a bunch of ideas like, um, you know, between me and, and Julian, like there was like, oh, doing like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember some of them, but like kind of the ones that started resonating the most where I kind of wanted to do like, a, I, I, I had, I had this idea for doing some kind of rhythm thing because I had been playing this game audio shield on Vive at the time, which is like this procedural, like it's kind of like beat saber, but I think it was before beat saber and it's procedurally generated from the music where it, like you basically have these like, um, blue and orange orbs coming at you and you have a, a shield on each hand that matches those colors and you block them as they come at you. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what other cool stuff you could do with like procedural music stuff. So my original thought there was like, a uh, an Ikaruga style, like, you know, arcade shooter where like maybe the enemies are spawning like on, on the notes to the music or something like that. And, um, and Julian kind of pushed us to do something more like, oh, why don't we kind of do something more like twin stick shooter because that could be that could be more generalized to other types of games rather than just kind of the on-rails sort of thing. So we kind of prototyped the mix of those things at first. And like it was going pretty well. It's like, okay, we can shoot stuff. That's, that's pretty easy. But then I was also trying to get the actual audio stuff working. And like at one point towards the end of this game jam, it was just only like four days that we did this. Like I got our little capsule enemies. They were basically like think of like little pills that are like yep. just black capsules with a mask on, and those were placeholder enemies. And I got one of those like bouncing and like squashing and stretching to the beat of the music. Like 
like, holy shit, this looks amazing. And I like pulled Julian over. I'm like, dude, check this out. And he's like, this is it. We, <laughs> this, this is the game. Um, and, you know, we, we basically, that, that game jam ended up being like a little combat ball with a couple little enemies you could shoot. And they were bouncing the beat. And it was just fun. There was no beat input stuff or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, and we, we knew we were onto something there. So, um, yeah, it kind of just grew and expanded from there. Um, some of the other stuff, like the looter shooter and stuff, is more of just like a, oh, what else can we do to both um, increase, like, like retention? Like, you know, people wanting to keep playing. Because, like, just a, you have just, like, a, a twin stick shooter that can get, like, oh, I've seen it all after, like, a couple levels and go. Like, how do we keep people wanting to play more and more? And then that's then we kind of took the audio analysis and kind of put that into all these other systems too, because it's like, well, why not? Why use just like random seeds and stuff? We have this this data that we're gathering and this using in this unique way. Let's use it in a whole bunch of unique ways, and that's kind of yeah. How I so I guess I, I was going to save this question, but you know, on the Steam version of the game, I think it's just on the Steam version. Uh, you can import your own music, which yep. kind of probably seems to be. Uh, you know, something you bored from playing audio shield, which I've never played. And I looked it up and I'm definitely going to check it out because I like those <laughs> kind of procedural audio games. Uh, but I, I imported a few songs today and I replayed some songs and I think the level stayed the same. So I'm assuming that's a yep. product of like the, the seeding of the song is like, it's the data of the song. It will always be the same with that song. Yeah. Um, as it is, that is true. Um, it wasn't exactly like that during development, but I could I could go into that after. But um, but yeah. So basically, this, a song generates a level. The level is meant to be like the manifestation of that song. Yeah. So it basically gets a bunch of it when it when we do the audio analysis, we gather a whole bunch of parameters and then we use those to like affect the kind of probability distribution and building sure. out the level. Um, and then also a seed on top of that. Um, so like uh. To give you an example, one of the parameters is called danceability. And this is like literally a an actual like legitimate measure thing to get <laughs> from a piece of music. So danceability, we we uh if I remember correctly, danceability we'll use to like say, oh, how how twisty is the level versus like just kind of straightforward, you know? Mm -hmm. And and uh Does that affect what biome other, you're other in other as well? Like, I'm, is there parameters that affect what biome it gets picked as well, I would assume? The the biome's a little bit more complicated even so that's that's kind of crazy um so what we wanted was basically each biome to roughly correspond to like a a genre of music or, or a couple of genres of music um but it's like well how do you do that you don't know when someone imports a song you have how are you supposed to know that like you know you for once one of the early ideas was oh check the tags but there are like so many like songs in my music library that just didn't have any tags so it's like well you can't count on that so we uh, did kind of this ridiculously complex solution, uh, which is we um, trained a machine learning algorithm on like a thousand different songs of various genres that I had like sit in and like classify by hand because, you know, you basically give it like song and, and data of like 600 parameters that it determines from audio analysis. And then um, I say, oh, it's this genre and it's like this family. And we trained it on that so that when it put a song in, it tries to like essentially guess the genre. Um, in our tests, it was with like the 10 biomes or 10 approximate genres. It was a, a little over 70% accurate. Um, but, you know, it doesn't need to be 100% accurate. Sometimes it's fun to like put in a, a pop song and 
it sends you to the volcano for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, I some yeah, songs um, defy categorization. <laughs> and that, that's true as well. Yeah, like I mean, it's, it, categorizing music is a very like subjective thing already. So you can't expect like a, a machine learning algorithm to get it right when like we don't get it right ourselves. You know. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I highly recommend maybe you know maybe you pause or just check out some video of the game so you have a bit of a context. I should say that at the beginning, but in, term, <laughs> in terms of setting this the the scene a bit, so it is a, a twin stick kind of shooter but your shoot your right trigger is shooting a weapon your left trigger is typically or it's like a powered uh weapon melee or uh, a charge attack and stuff like that it's a little more refined based on what character you're using and you're kind of i would say if you think of this as a, a looter shooter then each song is a mini dungeon does that sound about right that that's that's the that, approach that sounds just about right yeah okay so uh and it's weird because i i, I meant to ask are you musically inclined i assume you are like are you a musician or? Uh, i i used to be not like <laughs> i would it's hard for me to call myself that but uh you know i i was when i was you know in you know growing up and through college and stuff but i'm not like super knowledgeable about like theory and stuff but i was a pretty pretty hardcore okay. rhythm game player. <laughs> so that's, right. more, that's where more of it came from. All right. Cause I, I like, I love music, but I just, when it's beat type stuff, I'm not that great at it. And I, I tried, um, crypt of the necro dancer and some other similar type games. And I've always struggled and I don't know if it's like my affinity to music, but in this game, I, I got it for the most part. And I was, I was getting on the beat, but where it really, where it really clicked for me was importing my own music. Like just if I know the song, uh, that beat became like, if I was using my music, I was like super feeling it and get it, getting into it. So I think a just huge part of it to the beat yeah, was, just... was rock it out. Uh, it was Dua Lipa. I'm, I'm like, I wasn't really, really rocking out. <laughs> How many ghost songs did it was, you import? It was all Dua Lipa, <laughs> all, exclusively Dua Lipa, which okay. was fantastic for this game. And uh, I'm really glad people are, are, appreciating the import feature a lot because I was like, I mean, we were always kind of on the fence of like, is that going to be like the most used feature or is that going to be something no one yeah. ever uses because it, it takes too much effort. And, you know, we were also worried is like, do people even have music files in their hard drives these days? And unfortunately like streaming just us old guys. Fun. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I had to get some on there to do it, but I think it's, it is a great feature to have. I, I, especially in, I'm going through the story. I think I'm, halfway through the forest and uh, mm -hmm. digging it. And, but in terms of replayability and using the loot, I think the import is a great option. So I, I've been talking a lot. Let me defer to uh, Huck and Sean here. Well, I want to say about the import is I think the part that is interesting for me. So I beat it this morning because, you know, we, oh, I don't know. We worked on it for like a year, but I never really <laughs> like played it full right through. Because um, we had a full QA team, so it made it easy to not have to play it all the way through. And I'm at the point where I beat it. I'm at about level 23 or 24. And now to unlock the higher difficulties, I kind of have to grind a bit. Now, if I could do that grind to my own music choices, I can see that grind being a lot easier and a lot smoother to get up those higher levels. And I should mention that um, each level has a difficulty level, but those are unlocked based on your character level every 10 levels, right? And there's, what, five or four different levels? Uh, intensity uh, levels, you call them? There's actually six intensities. Oh, six. Yeah, so the, six. the intensity thing was, that was really complicated to like figure out 
what to do with difficulty because we wanted there to be progression on the world map, uh, you know, where you're going through the game and you feel like your character's growing and, you know, getting stronger stuff. But then at the same time, we wanted to just be able to let you play any song you want anytime, both like in the free play menu or just, you know, if you're importing and stuff. So like we had to figure out like, well, if you go too far in the story, is the free play going to be too easy? Or if you play too much free play, is the story going to be too easy or, or one of them going to be too hard? So we kind of ended up taking like like kind of difficulty and progression and wrapping it into this one thing called intensity. And that's kind of where those buckets come in. So um but but yeah like um it 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 makes it so that like if you're playing on the world map you want to go you play like 20 import songs or something and you come back you're not just like overpowered anymore you could just say like oh i'll just step up the intensity to be appropriate to where i am and i I guess sorry that ties into another big part of the game which huck and i did today co-op like having to scale that with like multiple people and if one person's really good and one person's not like at least you can adjust difficulty in some ways and account for that type of stuff but uh i mean overall like there's so like the way this there must've been huge challenges with scaling systems. You already had like kind of like that base data, which is analyzing the song, which feels like it was a driver for everything, but then, you know, level scaling, it's a very ambitious game, especially for a first first game from a studio to have leveling systems, co-op multiple, uh, you know, uh, platforms that you're releasing on the importing features. And we haven't even gotten into licensing, like getting music for a game like oh, this, man. which I'm sure we'll talk about. So, you know, <laughs> seriously, like, congrats- each one of those is a long, <laughs> I'm sure. So <laughs> congratulations in general, because that like, thank you. Ha- having all of that kind of fit together nicely is really an achievement. And then, you know, graphically and, uh, presentation the game is super polished like uh oh, thank you w- within each level like i think it looks fantastic i love the art style uh there's animated cutscenes. Th- this game has a lot going on so i'm not surprised that it took like six years <laughs> yeah. especially you know starting probably with pro- <laughs> prototypes and stuff like that like it's not like like we've been in indie studios that are a couple people and like you know you grow contractors uh scale in and out like I, I get it. Like, I don't think like, I, I just think it's like really ambitious and I, I'm sure after, after six years, you, like you've been playing this game for so long, it must feel so good to kind of be, well, you're probably doing, you know, support stuff and bug fixes for patches. Oh, I but. mean, I think in a way it's, it feels good, but yeah, I've been like, you know, you think, Oh, the game, the game launches where we could, we could chill for a bit. And that's kind of how it was at, in AAA, but like, Man, we launched and I was just I was just going at maximum speed afterwards because you have like all the support stuff. We have like um we you know um press support, stuff, press stuff, marketing materials, um patches, like cross you know, play not working. Yeah, <laughs> cross oh, man, gen, like, cross gen not working. <laughs> Oops. The, um yeah, like the thing I think a lot of you guys, I mean you guys know this, but like a lot of players don't think about is that like you have like a, a development team and a test team and you guys might be playing the game every day for years. But like if your game does even like is if your game isn't a complete flop, you release and like within the first hour, there's been more like person hours <laughs> yeah. put into your game than you have over the entire development. There is always going to be stuff that you missed that someone's going to find right away. And, you know, we're just try- we're scrambling to try to keep up with that. you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
uh, where to jump in here, but I, you you were talking about the, uh, the track import thing. And I haven't tried that yet because I, to me, that feels like more of a thing I would try maybe after beating the game. And I like the idea of the curated kind of playlists and, and I don't know, you know, I guess we can talk about, I am curious about the choice of songs and artists and that whole process, but what about, you know, since you're talking about sort of post-release stuff, what about DLC? Like, could you do song packs? I feel like that's something for all these rhythm games. And like, you know, since you can't import songs on console, it feels like that would be a cool thing to add. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we're thinking of doing. Uh, you know, it, it, once, you know, once the, uh, the initial launch and, you know, round of patches stuff calms down, well, we definitely would like to do probably just free updates with music packs because we actually um some of our music licensing we have we we have potentially access to a bunch more songs and i also know some of the artists we worked with individually were like have have been like pumped they want to do more stuff for us um but we'll see what we can work out i think i think it's a great idea and i'm i'm hope, hoping that we uh can you know do a bunch of that i'm, I'm sure with rhythm-based games uh, like teaching the player how to do it is one of the biggest struggles. Like how, and like even Huck and I, I don't know if this is an experience thing with Huck, but he like, I guess your struggle with slower beat songs was more like not being able to attack as much where I, I found like yeah. I was loving the slower beat songs. Like I could feel those more as a, as a newcomer to the game. So were there any debates about like, tempo and the first songs people should play as and why you picked a certain tempo versus another one? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, we, we did a bunch of changes to kind of like the track list and the kind of organization and order of them over development. Um, well, we kind of ended up going with, you know, Skyline's kind of supposed to be like the pop area. Um, we tried to find stuff that was close to 120 uh, BPM in uh for the skyland because that felt like the most kind of like you know kind of middle of the road like average like people can probably almost everyone gets that pretty easily um so we kind of wanted to keep it there for that area in the beginning and then as you go through the game you start getting kind of more complex stuff like you get to volcano and you have like tempo changes and stuff mid-song and lots of crazy stuff going on and you know then there's stuff in forest where it's a lot like the beat isn't as like, you know, there's not like a heavy bass, you know, hitting yeah. where the beat is and all the songs and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we both wanted to represent like a, a lot of genres, um, you know, to kind of fit into those biomes. We tried our best to find stuff that we thought fit, that we, that we thought felt good to like be hitting the yeah. beat, you know? I think out of like, I've played three biomes and they all had like a nice unique feel in terms of the music. And uh, I, I, think I had the most fun with the second biome just cause it's a little slower tempo. And I, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I'm gravitating to that, but, uh, I think it's just, Sean, you need to get to, uh, the sixth world. That's the synth, the synth. Oh, nice. <laughs> but with, is well, it right? Nocturne city. Is that six? Oh, that's, that's the fifth, fifth, fifth one. Yeah. There you go. That's going to be your bread and butter. Do I, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the higher BPM stuff, like it's weird where I get in intrinsically, I think it should be easier, but it's, it's almost harder. Like it feels like anything could work. And I, I, I don't know. I just haven't done that many high BPM songs and I just struggle with the, the higher BPM stuff. So on, on one hand you have, you know, more opportunities to like attack more quickly, but the thing is sort of the enemies. So because oh, okay. all of their, all of their 
attacks and moves and stuff are, you know, they're not in like seconds, they're in beats. Yeah. So a grunt punch will come out faster if the BPM is higher. It'll come out slower if the BPM is slower. So it just kind of changes quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like, I'm aware that the enemies are in time with everything as well, but sometimes I forget that, that aspect. <laughs> I actually really like that the gameplay changes in that subtle way based on what song you pick. And it, it does add a different level to the gameplay that is not just like a new mechanic. It's kind of the same mechanic, just at a different pace, which, which I appreciate it. It does add a little bit of variety in not like an overly complicated way and nothing you need to relearn or anything like that. Yeah. I'm curious to get to the levels where the tempo is changing mid song. That sounds really interesting, but I actually, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were just talking about the slower beats. I also found the slower beats a little bit more challenging. Me too. Um, and the one that I think was the hardest for me was there was a ska song in there. And, and yeah. it, I think because you hear the sort of the up, upswing or whatever you call it of the guitar i was trying to sync to that but i think it's actually still the base of the drum that's kind of the main beat so i think that's where i was getting out of sync mm. a bit because that's the whole thing with ska right it's kind of like on the offbeat um but yeah i don't know i found that interesting and yeah i can see how you know a lot of different genres of music can present different challenges so that's kind of cool yeah, yeah i had to even i had to turn on the metronome to help. There's like a setting, Dwight, you might want to look into to turn on the metronome, which is just like a beat counter basically for you to help. So and when you, on when some you of those songs, that, When you mention yeah. that, that's not just the visual. You're saying there's Correct. actually like yeah. an audio click track There's an well? audio one. Okay, yeah. I haven't tried that yet, but that's good. We to actually, uh, in the patch that we pushed out the other day, uh, we made that, we made it default to being partially on for new players. We don't change your setting if you've already been playing. But, uh, yeah, so that you can have uh, like an audio metronome play and it can either play uh, all the time or you can have it play when like if you haven't um, hit anything on beat in some time, whether through just not pressing anything or by being off, then it'll just start, it'll, you have it start up automatically and then, you know, go away, it'll go away again when you start hitting on beat again. So it's just kind of meant to like help a bit if you're like having trouble hearing um, you know, discerning where it is in the song, kind of where, where that foot tap should happen. Um, I, and a I was, lot of people seem to find it helpful. It is helpful to me. I was wondering, is there an option to adjust the volume of the metronome at all? Like just the metronome? There is not right now, okay. but that is on my task list. Okay. <laughs> Cause I, okay, that's, I didn't look into it. I didn't, really, but I was like, I wish I could like bring it down a little bit and, uh, compared to everything else. So that's cool. Good to hear that. <laughs> that's being worked on. Not that it's a, a big deal at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I could see that being very, help, very helpful for the, some songs have quieter parts, right? Where the beat almost fades out. And so yeah. if you're like in one of those sections of the song, sometimes you're stuck a bit. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I think a, a huge design question that I'm thinking of when I play this game and turning on my designer brain is, you know, whether you, punish or reward for being on beat because i think a a positive thing about the game is even if you're not perfect with the beat it's still playable you can get through a level you might not you know get perfect on it or uh it might not feel as satisfying but i think there's like 
there's interesting design design decisions as how uh, being on beat it isn't punished that severely. I don't think it's more rewarded instead of punished. And I think I, I like that design direction in general. And I think someone who didn't get it, quote unquote, could still play through the game as just a fun shooter beat em up. Like I, I think it, the beat just enhances all the mechanics when you start to get it. I don't know if that's a, a conscious yeah. choice or I'm just definitely projecting. No, we uh, yeah, we didn't want like people to pick up the game and like before they like kind of get it, like to just be like completely turned off because they like can't do anything or something like that. We thought that would just be like instant, instantly like walk away if they're playing the demo or just you know refund the game or whatever. Like so. We didn't want to be too punishing, you know, like, as you kind of said, we wanted to be, lean more on, like, the reward, the on-beat rather than punish the off-beat. I mean, there's still, like, some penalty there, like, you know, for the the beat blasters overheating and stuff, but, like, it's not just, like, you know, it's not, like, locking you in place. Yeah, but it, and it's not, like, after your first miss, it's if you're consistently missing stuff and, yeah, you know, like, like, it's... it's pretty loose. I don't know if that changes. Like, do the penalties change as you scale up difficulty? Um, not... Not directly. However, there are some uh, weapons or some some beat blasters that um, enhance that reward and that penalty. Uh, and then there are some that dampen both that reward and penalty. So if you're like one of those people that's, you know, maybe you're not not perfect at hitting on the beat and you want to sacrifice some of that beat bonus to make it so you're not penalized as much okay. for being offbeat versus like you're like, oh, I'm hitting 100 percent anyway. I'm going to go for the thing that makes that even better. But then if I hit like one or two offbeat notes, I'm like overheated. Okay. I, I like, I really like that idea. So using the modifiers and equipment to even more so mm -hmm. cater it, depending on whether you are really into the beat aspect of the game or it's uh, maybe something you're not that great at like me, but yeah. uh, I, 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 I do like, it's a game where I want to get good at the beat. It's like when I first tried, rock band, guitar hero, DJ hero, whatever it was, like I kind of stink and you just get better and better the more you play. Eventually I hit a, sk a skill ceiling in all those games, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, this, I don't think this, the skill ceiling really applies the same way to this game. Like I think once you get it, you kind of get it. Yeah, it eventually becomes like, uh, you know, kind of both managing the beat and then just the actual like, you know, shooter gameplay that's kind of where it gets the where the real difficulty gets in later is just you know kind of the you know bullet hell and you know lots of enemies and that sort of thing and the higher difficulties and then managing like elemental effects and you know you're building a good loadout for the level you're doing and stuff like that yeah and you know in in terms of like that scalability like it's it's interesting because you know I played with Huck. He was high level. I was low level, and you know I didn't notice it. I don't know if Huck was killing everything, and I was. I was. Uh, were you? Because I. <laughs> oh yeah. I thought if I you was, looked at our two scores, like after each level, you would have like a hundred points, and I have like two thousand. But I'm assuming that's because you get points on da on the actual kill, not on damage. Because like I'm hitting things, yeah, like just, it doesn't feel like I'm not doing anything. But you were probably always yeah. getting the kill shot and the points there. So probably. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Like it actually, I was worried when we matched up in a co-op and he's super high level that I would feel like, 
useless and I might have been useless, but I didn't feel <laughs> useless, which is the important thing. <laughs> I, I feel like it's really hard to to make it fun to play uh, with mismatched levels in co-op games. I I, I feel like a lo- there's a lot of games I don't end up playing as much co-op as I'd like because if I'm like busy working or something and like my friends get 10 levels above me, then it's like, well, we can't do anything either. Either you're one-shotting everything or I'm just getting one shot, you know, but uh, we, we tried to, we tried to kind of make it so that it wasn't like that. And I mean, I think there's still going to be some disparity. Like if you have a level 50 person coming in with like a level 10, then that there's going to, they're just going to wipe the floor with everything. But like, I don't think it's as um, severe in our game as it is in some others that I've played. Yeah. It's, well, it's almost an impossible problem to solve. So I think, just my experience means it's kind of solved, at least. <laughs> well, I think that's where the intensity level that we talked about before comes in, where we we were doing warm up at first because it defaults to Frank was hosting. So it was whatever his level is, which is level four or something. So it was defaulting to warm up. And that was obviously we we're just wiping the floor with everything. So then we went up to moderate and it was much more manageable and fun. Uh, we weren't just like I, I wasn't one shotting everything. And Frank was just kind of like walking through my wake of <laughs> dead bodies, but um, it, it is interesting. And I want to ask a question about kind of, kind of generating the levels. And, you know, you talked about how they're procedurally generated based on the song generation, but obviously there is some difficulty with that. There's a couple stages back to back that seem to have very, very similar layouts I found. And like, how did you go about, doing that did you have the ability to handcraft tweak any of the levels or was that all purely through the analysis and then having to tweak the numbers in the analysis itself um for the most part it was all just the analysis and kind of part of the um i guess part of the uh side effect of having like kind of genres pretty pretty grouped together on like the world map is like they're they're gonna have similar musical attributes um we, we we spend a lot of time tuning it to try to get like level variety even within that but um you know it's it it's not a, it, there's only so many uh level chunks that we that you know a team can make with our size and and budget and everything could you actually go into the details of how you actually construct the levels yeah. i don't think you ever really mentioned like how you actually like put the yeah. levels together so um, think of it like uh, you're you have a whole bunch of like Lego blocks. the The levels are made out of what we call chunks, and then in those chunks there might also be sub chunks that go like within them. And you're basically taking these and kind of building them together into a level that we think is going to match the length of the song, like minus a little bit. Um, so basically, you know, we take the length of the song, we we compute an estimate from our like from all of the Lego blocks in our library. Oh, this one, this one will probably take the players like, you know, 15 seconds to get through this chunk. This chunk will only take them five. This chunk might take them 30 because it's big. And we try to like build a level out that fits that. And it tries to build it out so that even the branches are accounted for in that. So like the, you should be able to basically go down all the branches, you know, if there's a treasure chest or whatever, get that, and get to the end before the song loops if you are like on point. So, um, but uh, yeah, like it kind of like, it basically like stitches those together and that's 
Uh, and then within that, you know, there's the sub chunks that can swap. There's some types of props that can swap depending on other, um, you know, parameters that happen in the song. Like, so it's, yeah, it's, it's building, building Lego pieces, essentially. <laughs> That's cool. Cause like, I was wondering if this, the levels were built to sort of match the length of the song. Cause it, like a bunch of times it did work out pretty well for me. Like I was getting to the end, right at the end of the song and I was like, Oh, that's cool. But then there's other times where I was exploring a lot more and like kind of taking my time. And I was thinking, am I supposed to be doing this? Like, is this <laughs> accounted for? But I guess that makes sense. But there, yeah, I mean, there's tons of systems that go into that, right? Like even the teleporters, you know, those, the distances of those probably need to be adjusted based on beats per minute and stuff like that. Like just the yeah. way that data kind of gets incorporated into the level is it's really interesting. And uh, you know, it's it, like, it reads to me, I, Huck and I were talking about some polish stuff earlier today and the, how the environment objects are incorporating that data and animating it, it all like, like gives you a feeling of playing a song which is uh which is not easy to do like i've i even remember like the the mobile or no this was on the vita the first procedural game with music that i got into was i think it was called beats and it was just like t tapping one two or three like like there was three things and i like when i went on a trip it was like okay i can listen to my music and play a game at the same time so mm -hmm. i'm glad that there's more games that are uh trying to do that i've never got into the modding world or the importing world of beat saber but even just playing sound i'm like i should look into that because when it's yeah. songs you love it just makes it that much more fun to do that stuff yeah definitely that's it's kind of what we were hoping you know like it's like we're going to provide you with a whole bunch of music uh but you know if you want what well, we we hopefully like essentially infinite replay value because there's infinite music out yeah. there so well can... and <laughs> i mean I actually, there wasn't a song I disliked or I remember being like, oh, I could do without this song when I played through all the levels. Like they were all decent. I didn't know a lot of the artists, which is fine. That, that That's cool. I'd, it's, it's interesting to hear some new stuff, but I, like you said, the vibes of each of the levels I thought were, were, were pretty uh, consistent. Like I, I got the feeling with the forest and uh, the, the beach. It was pretty good. Uh, since we're talking about that, like, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your process of building the, you know, the playlists for the, for the levels and the artists that you kind of connected with and stuff? Yeah, that was a lot of work. Um, so, uh, there's a, a good amount of songs in the game. Maybe like a little more than half are from, um, a partnership we had with Epidemic Sound. Um, and they have like kind of this big, vast, like, music library that you can kind of, you know, that we, we basically licensed uh, with them. And uh, then there's a whole, all the rest of the songs are either like existing songs from those artists or songs that they wrote specifically for Soundfall. And those ones we basically reached out like individually. Um, some of them were just um, essentially cold emails that I made. Um, some of them are um, our lead animator Nate Horsfall is actually like really connected with uh, like video game music community um, through like Magfest and a bunch of other like organizations and events. Um, and he kind of did a lot of intros for uh, a lot of our musicians as well. Um, one of the tricky things there is like um, licensing such that in a way such that people can stream the game. 
because you might notice like a lot of games out there, like rhythm games, like Rock Band and Guitar Hero, you like people can't stream it because they don't actually the, the rights that they have to put the song in the game don't then extend to like a user streaming it. And we we wanted it to be such that like we have within the context of Soundfall, we could basically you know give the green light to do that sort of thing. Um, and that was something I, I remember like you know, other, other developers warned us about up front. Like, Oh, if you're doing a rhythm game, you got to be careful about streaming and stuff. Um, kind of the one caveat to that is we, we do have to whitelist channels, but we basically have a form on our website. That yeah. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little cumbersome, but it's better than just not being able to. So, um, I guess yeah, I'm kind of um, curious. I don't, I, you don't have to go too far down this road if you don't want to, but you know, the streaming thing is, people warning you is that your is it warning you like hey people might not stream it because of this or is it the developer's responsibility to control streamers with music like it seems like that would be on the individual streamer not your company well and the thing is if, if if our game had music that would just be like you know get you d uh dmca'd like and then, then nobody would stream it obviously yeah it's, so, it's more about then, people yeah. not being kind of able to stream the game people, right Sorry? It's more about people not being able to stream the game than it is about. Yeah, we uh, didn't want to. We didn't want to basically. If if no one can stream your game, then like you know that that kind of kills your game in this day and age. You know, like that's how a lot of people find out about games and like <laughs> yeah. make the decision to buy games when they see you know a streamer playing something fun. So like if we didn't have that, it's like yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so we weird because I well, <laughs> it's something I don't relate to at all. Like. I'm looking at like reviews, kind of, uh, you know, opinions out there from other game developers. Like I've never really watched a streamer, so it's, I don't know, but I, I'm not saying you're wrong by any means. It's just, I'm so out of touch with that kind of stuff. I mean, I kind of was too, but, uh, you know, like, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I grew up with like Nintendo power and like game informer and stuff. And that's how I found out about games. Yeah. Like, Streaming's pretty, uh, you know, new to me too. Like, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot, but um, I mean, I, it, it's, it's the thing now. It's the, the way you market games. So, yep. you know, I have to at least be familiar enough uh, with it there. And the game needs to be streamer friendly. What if we're talking about music? Still, I don't know if you can answer this. You don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> uh, was there a song you wanted to get in the game? that you couldn't because of licensing money, anything like that? Like anything that, you Oh, so I like, mean, there's probably one above all there's else, a million, one above all million else, like. songs I would like, but <laughs> I remember, um, the, I remember the, the, um, the, the range of rates for licensing music is so vast. It's basically, oh, yeah. it, it seems practically limitless. Well, our, like, our, sorry, there's some friend. artists that were just like, I just want my music in the game. And then you have some artists, like there was one we reached out to that we thought was going to be within the scope of what we wanted. That was like a uh, hundred grand for a one year license. <laughs> and we're like, uh, that's, that's more money at the time. It was more money than had ever entered our company period. Like, <laughs> and, and it's like, also then it's like, if it's a one year license, then like, what do we do? Just scrap that level from the game after a year. Like we can't really do that, you know? <laughs> so, um, there, there was, there were definitely several, there were numerous deals that didn't work out both because of rates and because of the streamer needing to be streamer friendly being like one of our, like mm -hmm. no compromise, like 
if you if you can't accommodate this, then it's just not going to work out. So yeah, there was there was quite a bit that you know. Yeah, our, one yeah, of our, work out. Uh, the reason I bring it up, one of our friends like makes documentary films and other and other movies and TV stuff. And it's like, we hear some of the stories about licensing and it's like, I can't even imagine, you know, we're getting this many songs into a game rather than like just a select few, uh, how, how far that can go. And I guess it's nice to have that big library to pull from. I, I wasn't aware of, uh, you know, that there was kind of, sh- outlets out there it makes sense that you can pull Mm -hmm. uh and build libraries from and it's i guess it's a good way for artists to get noticed too right like if they put their stuff on there there's some mutual benefit to those kind of uh uh libraries and catalogs yeah i mean and now you know hopefully you know soundfall actually you know exposes them to more people that'll potentially be fans and stuff too yeah because like most people like I find a lot of people listen to, like a, a handful of genres, but like kind of the beating the game, you kind of got to do a full tour of music, you know. So mm-hmm. you might run into something that like isn't any isn't like anything you listened to before, and now you have a new type of music you like, or or maybe you just discovered some artist that you never heard of in a genre you do like. So I don't know. I found I always found it was cool discovering music in games like. Like I discovered music I liked in Guitar Hero that Absolutely, I wouldn't yeah. have discovered otherwise. And and I mean, don't get me started on like Tony Hawk games. Man. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. EA Sports, EA Sports normally usually had you know a couple songs you'd never heard of that you really enjoy too if if you play sports games. Uh, cut on the topic of music still. Uh, we brought it up a little pre-show, but the calibration thing and the lag you must have to deal with. So obviously it's on beat. How do you go about handling people with different setups and being able so they can actually play the game and not get frustrated and just, you know, throw their controller across the screen, especially on PC? I guess on I guess on consoles, it's a little more standard, but still possibly uh, an issue. It's it's tricky. I I still think we we need to do more work on that, honestly, because I think that is a um, that's a it's a tough thing to do because like. You know, everyone has, you know, you have different like display devices, you have different like audio devices and sound systems. And like some are pretty easy and they just sync up, you know, by default and some are just not. Um, We have a calibration um, option in the menu where you like we calibrate kind of separately, both like the the audio lag and the, the visual lag. And then tr- basically use that to like adjust like where the beat input window is, how the sound, how we, where we play sounds versus where we, you know, versus where the visual display is. Um, and that'll help, uh, that'll help a lot of cases, but then there's always going to be those setups where it just does not work. Like I have, like, like I have, I've been to setups, like I was in a, you know, an Airbnb like last summer at one point and I was like going to show some friends like the, the current build of the game and I hook it up to the TV and the Airbnb and that thing had so much lag. Like <laughs> even if you, even if you got the audio and visual lined up, like the diff time difference between pressing button and action on screen was just so great. It was just unplayable. So I was just like, Oh, screw it. We're just going to play it on the laptop guys. And then everyone had a great time. Um, yeah. And it's also hard because then you have like smart TVs and stuff. And sometimes they have a lot of latency. Like I literally like the TV I use for development, like, I, there was so much latency in it and I found out that I had to turn it on. If I turned it on game mode, it works great. 
But without game mode, I, I, I even tried putting on like Super Mario World to be like, is it just our game? And I play, I'm like, no, I feel like I was like a lag before I jump. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I also had a pair of headphones um, that I, before I got these that I used earlier in development that like, if I played the game with the audio going through the headphones, it was, I just couldn't do it. Like the, there was just way too much latency. Um, and, and, but these headphones were great. Like, um, and they're, they're both wireless and stuff. So it's tricky. It's not a 100% solved problem. We, uh, calibration gets you part of the way there. And we basically just tried to do our calibration the exact same way that like rock band three did it. Um, because it's like, well, like, Harmonics, harmonics is probably way smarter than I am at this. At this, so I'm gonna try to like follow their lead. You know, I they definitely playing, spent more money rock on band for like four hours last night. So <laughs> I, I still play Rock Band a lot. It's great. I, I had a similar issue with Rock Band. I went over to a buddy's house and his TV is so much lag, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "I cannot hit the drums <laughs> at the proper beat." At all? What are you talking about? <laughs> he just could not see it. When you play rock band, oh, another thing with rock band is one house, one person's house, never go anywhere else, never change anything. Yeah, I've definitely been to other people's houses where, like, they also just, I guess, by nature of how they play the game, their where they felt calibration was right was different than where I felt it was right, and I was just like, "How are you playing this right yeah. now?" I feel great, and then if I calibrate it, it's the opposite. Yeah, there's definitely the human factor in there, too. That's yeah. crazy. So I just wanted to ask, so, I mean, Huck and Frank got to play the co-op today, and I didn't get a chance to try it, but it seemed like that would have also added even more complication to some of the stuff we were just talking about. Like, can you talk a little bit about the challenge of doing co-op? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, the thing about co-op was, like, that was actually i don't think i mentioned it earlier but that was actually one of kind of our like main requirements for the first game we made i was like i want to do co-op and if we can i want to do local and online because i i never feel like there's enough co-op games or if there are it's like there's either one or the other so it's like you know there's i feel like there's almost nothing you could play couch co-op these days there's like a few things but and then I don't know. I also like just having more online co-op games to play with, with people. So, um, so yeah, it was important to us, but it was also like massive amount of work. Um, the local, not so bad because like, you know, it, it's just a matter of kind of like getting the scaling right of like, Oh, you just threw another person in the mix. How do we scale up the, the enemies and the difficulty? So it doesn't just, you know, not just cleaning up really quick. Um, but the online was massive undertaking, um, both from like, I mean, as, as Andrew knows, both from like the, you know, individual platforms, like how they handle, like, you know, starting matches online and inviting friends and all of that. And then all the cert requirements on top of it, but then also just like the actual like gameplay networking of like, a it's a rhythm game. You need to feel like there's no latency at all, but now you have a, a, an internet connection. You can be playing with someone, you know, in like Europe or Asia or something. And you want, you still want it to feel good or as good as it can. And that's just like, we, we ended up doing like, like, luckily that's kind of where a lot of my background was at Epic was like a lot of our games were like, or pretty much all the games I worked on there were like online and had multiplayer components. So, um, you know, I, I had I had a lot of experience doing like netcode stuff, but then adding the rhythm into the mix, I had to kind of do a lot of like tricks and stuff that didn't really 
didn't really need to happen in those other games. Like we do a lot more like trusting the client than you would in like a competitive shooter um, to, to make so, so that that rhythm experience still feels good. Um, another thing that was like interesting, it was like the, um, there are a lot of challenges with making shooting feel good from a top down camera that we just didn't run into working on like over the shoulder third person games or like first person games. Uh, and because you see a lot more of like what the projectile is doing versus if it's coming out of the camera uh, or the projectile or the hit scan weapon or whatever, versus like you literally see the whole trajectory of it when you're top down. So that like, at least in my opinion, it was a lot trickier getting that feeling good than it was in like, you know, Fortnite. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't have even thought about that. But So yeah. you mean like the weapon fall off kind of stuff or what are you referring to there? I mean, like you want to like you press the button and feel like the projectile is coming out of the right spot and going in the right direction mm. and stuff. Whereas like when it's coming out of the camera, like if it's off, like if it's coming, if, if it doesn't get replicated until like X milliseconds later and it spawns far away and stuff, it doesn't really, you might not even notice. You just have a really big muzzle flash that kind of hides it, but you don't get that from top down. You see, oh, I shot and the projectile came out like, you know, two feet to the left, you know? <laughs> right, right. I gotcha. Uh, uh, I don't have any questions left. I have one, but uh, if <laughs> Sean or Huck, if you have a long uh, list ready to go. The only other thing I wanted to ask briefly about was just, and you, you touched on this, I think, Frank, but the uh, 2D animated cutscenes, which I think, you know, are really cool and just add like another level of polish to this game. Like what was the inspiration there? And, and uh, I don't know, I just I thought yeah. it was great. So we worked with uh, Double Plus Productions on those uh, animated cutscenes, um, And we wanted to both, we wanted something that could both be like a cool, um, cool moments for the player. Cause it's really rewarding when you like happen upon these while you're playing, you know, um, like something that was both like a rewarding moment for the player and kind of brought our characters more to life than you get from that, like top down angle. Cause like, you know, our character models are meant to be viewed from the top down. You know, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't look as good when you look at them head on. So we needed something like some way that you could see the characters kind of from different perspectives and have them feel like, alive and detailed and um and this this felt like a great way to do it and like kind of also like one of our inspirations for like the story and the characters in the team was like saturday morning cartoons and like things like you know voltron ninja turtles like even stuff like sailor moon uh power rangers and stuff like that and, like and like what better way to kind of also capture that a little bit but than by having like 2d animation as you know part of how these characters, yeah, how that, you, how you see these characters, you know, that reminds me of like the dialogue sequences between levels and the story as well. Like some really cool, uh, character design, like kind of fantasy based. Like I, I, I thought like all of those, uh, illustrations were pretty interesting. They, they were all, all had something different to offer each of the different worlds and the characters. I'm like, that, those are cool designs. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, so kind of the initial design of like, you know, the, the, the first few heroes was done by Nicholas Cole. And then um, Adam Tazi um, was kind of our art director over like the last couple of years of, of development. And like, we kind of wanted something that was like, uh, you know, kind of fantasy, kind of a little sci-fi feeling, but like 
unique in its own way. So we always like, uh, you probably could tell from playing the game, but we're, we're huge Zelda fans among other things. And like one of the things we wanted to do that Zelda does really amazing is like, it's not just a generic like fantasy setting. Like you, you know, you have all sorts of things that have like elves and dwarves, but like you don't have Gorons in any other fantasy setting. You don't have Zora in any other fantasy setting. There's all like unique to that world. And we wanted to do, we wanted that to be how Soundfall felt as well. Like, you know, you, like when you find like the, you know, the, the um, people that live in say the forest, like, I mean, you might, you might be something similar you've seen before, but like, they're their own thing. They're not like just another, you know, fantasy trope. You know what I mean? And we kind of just wanted it to feel like it's very own unique world. Uh, That that, way. That definitely comes through. So nicely done. Uh, So one thing we haven't really talked about too much, which I wanted to ask about was um, the weapons and the drops. And how did you guys handle, uh, just balancing that because I was finding that, you know, you go through a section, you get some good loot and then you go through another section. It feels like you get nothing. The store is not giving you anything you want. So like how difficult was it to kind of manage that, determine what to even give the player as a reward basically. Oh man, that's, that was definitely tricky. And that was one of those things where we were going like, the pendulum was swinging really far on that uh, balancing thing. It's just a matter of like, you know, you tune the numbers, get some feedback, both like, you know, just us playing ourselves, but then also like, you know, our, our play tests on the team. And then when we eventually had like, we would have like friends and family, like play test the game and stuff and just kind of like narrow in on stuff. Um, kind of the way it works now is like, we would kind of set drop rates, based on like intensity and level um, like for like a normal treasure chest. Uh, but then, and, and then or like, or, you know, what, what rarity tier uh, an item is going to drop. And then um, like, if you get a bronze medal, the end of level chest will be like a little bit worse than that. And if you get a silver, it's a little bit better than that. And then like gold and plat are like way better. Um but that's still, it is a role. Like you can still plat and get like a, a common and just be like, oh, what the hell? But I mean, <laughs> I, it can be frustrating, but it's also kind of the, the fun of the game. You kind of need, at least in my opinion, you kind of need to get an occasional like bad drop in order to appreciate the good drops. Because if everything is good, then that actually becomes boring in itself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky to balance. I'm not even sure we've, you know, it's de- I wouldn't even call it solved now. Like literally we just patched the other day and did balance changes there. And I'm sure we'll keep doing balance changes because like, you know, like we were talking about, there's just a lot more people putting a lot more hours into the game. And um, what we thought as developers was right. Like, you know, it's it, it always going to need adjusting. Like I, I thought our highest intensity was going to, I was like, I tuned it so I would be hard for me to play. And I was like, oh, this is going to, people, people might think this is too hard. This is going to be a problem. And then you go on Twitter and you see, you see a Japanese player just crushing it without a problem. It's like, yo, it's been out for a week, dude. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this good? Yeah. I got, I have one more softball question that is more, more traditional. So there's five characters in the game. Have you seen kind of like, watching Twitch or whatever, through whatever method, have you seen which character is sort of like the de facto favorite of everyone? Because I have my own, and I'm wondering how it's lining up. I 
Oh, it's it's hard for me to say. I think I think people really seem to really like Jackson. He's okay. like a himbo, I guess. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I I hear a lot of people have a lot of really strong opinions about who their favorite is, like gameplay wise. And I've heard people be like, "Oh, I play as such and such," and everyone else seems, you know, they they're OP, and everyone else is like blah. And then someone else will say like the exact opposite, and it's it's interesting. It's very. Uh, I mean, I guess that means we we did our job well because like. You know, yeah. hopefully, like different characters should resonate with different people, both personality wise and gameplay wise. It's, that's kind of the hope, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. who is your favorite, Andrew? It's it's Lydia. I I love the ranged, powerful attack, which I think she's the only one that has that. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jackson kind of does a little bit, but um, I guess his is more area of attack rather than ranged. I so. think Lydia's probably my favorite too. I do think Bright is probably. I think I'm stronger with Bright, but I think I have more fun playing Lydia. Is Bright the one with the shield? Yep. Oh, really? Okay. I could not figure that out. I kept getting... Because I... So I use the auto-target almost exclusively. So Mm. with the shield, it's much more effective if you're using the twin-stick shooter mechanic. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So me trying to switch back, even the level where you're forced to use her when you first get the power, I was getting my ass kicked like constantly because <laughs> i couldn't deflect the shield i wasn't used to using the right stick i i am really reliant on the auto aim which so i i use that so i can focus on dodging and just kind of tap into the beat rather than having to aim accurately I, th- I think it's worth mentioning though like with the twin stick aspect of the game the auto aim is really good like i i love the auto and especially when you auto strafe like it feels really natural how, how you tr- uh, transition into strafing and non-strafing mode. I, I'm glad you guys think that. I was actually like, for most of the development, I was the one fighting against auto-aim. So I was like, it's a twin stick. You got to aim. But I, I, uh, I gave in on that argument, and I'm glad I did because, uh, you know, opinions like these. Um, okay. So I had my, my last question was relating tangentially to that. Like, uh, when you release a game, you know, within a, a team – there's always like contentious design decisions. Like half of the people say we have to do this half. No, we can't do that. What was your most contentious design decision as like a whole within the company? Like about oh, the design man. of the game. Oh, oh man. That's a, <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> stir in the pot. You don't, you don't have to answer it if you many. don't want to, but, uh, there's too many. I will say, okay. I, I will say another, another one that I gave in on, that that was also the right choice um beat input the original game did not have beat input for the first little chunk of the project as i I think i mentioned when we were talking um earlier um so by that you mean attacking on the beat that's what you mean by yeah like like attacking on the beat like it was like everything in the like the first it was only like month or two of the project did not have that it was like everything else is moving on the beat and you're just, you're just playing a shooting game and in, in this world of music, but it was actually something what, what swayed me. It was like me and Jillian were arguing about it uh, back and forth. Um, but part of my reason for not wanting to do it is because I was worried it was going to be really, really hard. And I was right on that part. It was really <laughs> hard. Um, and I, I also worried that our audio analysis wouldn't be good enough um, to, to, to do it well. But um what 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 pushed me was like we were doing regular play tests with people outside of the company, like just kind of our local friends, and they basically suggested it independently. 
And I was like, I guess we got to at least try it. Yeah. And then we got it kind of working a little bit. And the next time we did a play test, everyone liked it. And it's like, well, I guess this is the game. <laughs> yeah. You got, you have to listen to play testers, especially when there's common yeah. themes always like whether, whether you disagree with it or not, you know, there's, there's something there. If a lot of people who are play testing your game are saying it. So uh, has there been there some video, there's some pretty big changes that even uh, that came about even pretty late in development due to like play tests like that too. Yeah. Like, I, uh, the, the um the arenas uh we call them the arenas like basically the last level of a biome that's like this everything goes crazy like we did that pretty pretty close to the end because people felt like it was like really anticlimactic to just like finish with just kind of another normal level and you know we have you know we obviously we have we have two bosses but like we would have loved to have more bosses it's just you know this it's only so much, you know, <laughs> we can't push the game back another year and add more bosses, you know, but, um, has there but been yeah, a- the, the arena is like basically, uh, you know, they came together pretty late, but they, they've been hit. I think like, I, I know our, our, our I like them all really yeah. them. has there been any discussion getting back to what we were talking about, about having a non beat mode within the game or, uh, only recently, actually, like um, if people we've heard a couple people request it as like a, an accessibility feature because um, there's um, for, for, for some people like pressing the button that periodically like causes them pain or, or for some other reason they they can't really do that. And so that's definitely something we're looking at now because, you know, obviously we want everyone to play our game and to be able to and, you know not have it be painful or anything, obviously. Yeah. Uh, does, I, think I'm, I, I don't have any other questions. Uh, so I get, Sean, are you good? I'm great. So I'll, I'll just <laughs> ask Nick then, is there any aspect of the game we didn't touch on or uh, anything else you wanted to add? Oh man. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's, uh, we talked about a lot there's, I mean, but there's, there's always more, um, hard for me to just kind of like um, a key feature that maybe we skipped things. out on that. Like you think will attract gamers that maybe we didn't touch on that aspect of the game. Oh, let's see. We talked, obviously we talked about importing. We talked about, uh, free play, the, you know, the story, um, Co-op. Don't forget co-op. Co-op. Uh, yeah, we talked about co-op. If you're listening out there, if you one. like co-op games, check it out. Yeah. Um, I think I think we've brushed upon just about everything. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I guess I guess one other thing is like we we uh, you know there are when you're playing through the story, we expect you to see like the first four intensities if you're kind of like cranking it up as you go. But there's two more after that. So we did try to put work into making an end game for people that are like the ones that like beat the game, but it's like, no, I want to crank it up even more. You know, we want, we want the, the people like, you know, the people that like are like, Oh, you know, DDR is too easy on the hardest difficulty. Let me do both pads at once on the arcade. Mission. <laughs> we want, we want the people to be able to crank it up that high. So that's kind of, you know, we, there's still a lot to play hopefully um, after you've beaten the story. Cool. I must say I was very under leveled then for the target. <laughs> <laughs> I I beat it at like level twenty three or twenty four. Though I was uh, I was definitely downshifting the intensity uh, uh, sometimes to get through. Yeah, your uh, XP goes up. Your XP multiplier goes up at higher intensities, so that would probably be why. All right. Well, you should check out Soundfall. It's on. 
pretty much every platform out there right now. <laughs> a little assist from Equilibrium Systems up there on that. So uh, whatever your yeah. system of choice is, check it out. Uh, just worth mentioning, I guess, Steam has the import option. I think it's exclusive to the Steam version of the game. Is that correct? Uh, that's right, yeah. So if that's a factor for you, uh, you might want to consider that. But congrats again on the game. Uh, hope it does well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, thanks, Thank you. thanks for partaking in this interview, Nick. It's been a great time. So should we do what we play? What we played or are we going uh, too long? I don't know. We're pretty long already. I think we can skip yeah, what okay. we played. Maybe we'll just say, uh, maybe give it to Nick. If Nick's played something that he wants to talk about, go for it. If you don't want to, that's fine too. Yeah. The, the, one of the games I've been playing lately now, now that I can actually play, have some time to play games again <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's another indie game called tunic and I've been having a lot of fun with that. It's, it, um, tricks you. It, it, presents itself as a game that you look at and you're like, oh, this is really cute. This looks kind of like, you know, the Link's Awakening remake. And this little fox, he's got a little sword and shield. He's got a green tunic. He looks so cute. This is going to be a fun, relaxing game. And then you are very wrong. It is it is not a Zelda-like as it appears to be. It is a Souls-like, and it is a very, very brutal one. But it's awesome, and it does a lot of creative stuff. Like, I think one of the coolest, um, unique things about it is, like, a lot of how they, like, explain mechanics and also like how their maps work in the game like you find little pages of what is essentially like an nes instruction manual and and a lot of it isn't in any like readable like any real language so you kind of try and decipher how to do things from this like essentially instruction manual that looks very much like the original legend of zelda manual so i thought that was really clever and cool and yeah the, i'm still playing it even though it like usually has me like yelling at the tv because it's just hmm. it just brutalizes you it, it does the, the manual is gorgeous and a stroke of genius from like a design yeah. standpoint so agreed there i need to get back into tunic for sure yeah i i just wanted to briefly mention too on that because i you know, as we were talking about before the show, hit the second boss. I worked my ass off to get past the first boss <laughs> and then hit the second boss. And I was like, forget this. I, I'm done with this game. But there is a no fail mode, which I'm, I may try out. I'm, I'm a little torn on it. I'm curious how you guys feel about it because what it is, is it's literally you can't die, I believe. So it's kind of like oh, wow. you can turn it on for a boss fight, get through the boss fight and then turn it off potentially or keep it on and only focus on the puzzle aspect of the game, because that is something I'm very interested in. It has kind of a Fez like mm, uh, yeah. feel to it. And so I kind of do want to maybe try that, but I don't know. It still feels like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't totally oh, love it. I, I don't think you've gotten to this yet. I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but there's stuff in the game that doesn't just take off health. It knocks off max health. Oh man. <laughs> you can, oh, no. you can, when you go to like their bonfire equivalent, it restores it, but it's like it's like really guys, it wasn't hard enough in that last year. Now you're doing this to me. Oh, yeah, man. I don't know how I feel about that, but uh <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I don't think there apparently there is also going like a long way where my max health had gone down to literally just a sliver of health bar and I'm just like I'm just I'm just one hit kill mode now like <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I don't know. But apparently there is also, if you don't like the no fail mode option, there is an option to turn off, I think, the stamina part of it. Mm. So like if you just find like you're in boss fights and stuff constantly getting stuck because you're trying to roll too much or whatever, that might be something that could give you an edge. So I might try some of those options out because I do want to Just play. go full no fail, Dwight. You know you want to. Full yeah. no fail. I do, but it's the principle of the thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks thanks again to Nick for joining us from Drastic Games. Soundfall is the game. Uh, Nick, did you want to give any uh, publicity, Twitter, how people can check out the game? Yeah, check out uh, soundfallgame.com, or you can search us on Steam or your platform or storefront of choice. Um, also, you can find us at Soundfall Game on Twitter and uh, I believe we're also Soundfall Game on just about every social media platform. So whichever one is your favorite, come find us and uh, chat. Cool. So if people check out the game, leave some comments uh, below on the video. Uh, porting uh, assistance from Equilibrium Systems, <laughs> which is Equilibrium Sys on Twitter. And you can find us on YouTube.com forward slash Game Junk. Uh, Discord links are there too if you want to talk about Soundfall in the Discord. I'm sure we will oblige that. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.